guardian angels, and patron saints, pray for us. Behold the Lamb of God, John the Baptist says, on the banks of the River Jordan, pointing to the Messiah. Using a phrase that was not some casual or poetic image, but something that extended its roots deep into the faith and the history of the people of Israel. Behold the Lamb of God, John said, and in speaking those words, drew together all of the expectation and prophecy for the Messiah and laid it there before Jesus. The Lamb of God, that phrase I'd like to consider and unpack a little bit today, both for its significance in the context of the Mass and in our daily lives, that in fact this word, this phrase, pertains to all of our activities and the things that we do to carry out our vocations and our daily responsibilities. Not only does it appear here in the Mass, behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world, blessed are those who are called to the Supper of the Lamb. But we are to take that into the world. And it very much is bound up with the vocation of the lay person to sanctify the temporal order. The lay vocation. The Lamb of God here is drawing upon imagery and events in the history of Israel that extend back to the book of Genesis. First reference to the Lamb of God is in the sacrifice of Isaac. Abraham is called by God to sacrifice the son that was miraculously given to him in his old age when Sarah was past childbearing years. She gave birth to Isaac. And then God mysteriously asked Abraham to sacrifice that son. And Abraham complied with that request in the moment of his sacrifice with the knife poised above his son Isaac. An angel stops him and points out on another nearby hilltop a ram caught with its thorns in the thicket. And the, the hilltop was named God Will Provide. So God will provide the lamb to be sacrificed. God will be the one to give you what you are to offer him. And later in the history of Israel, when Abraham's descendants were living in the land of Egypt under slavery, they were delivered through the intercession of Moses. And the night before, on the 10th plague, the night before they were to escape from Israel, they were commanded by the Lord to gather, prepare to travel, gird, their, gird themselves to be ready to leave on a journey, eat unleavened bread, and sacrifice a lamb, a unblemished male lamb to spread its blood upon the doorposts of their home so that the angel of death would pass over and not take their firstborn. And that Passover is repeated each year. It was the same meal that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples in the night before he died, in which he said, do this in remembrance of me. I am the Passover lamb. I am the one whose blood, when placed upon your lips, will stop death from entering and will not be taken. We present God with our own offerings. In the history of Israel, those offerings were animal sacrifices, which were repeated year after year, day after day, for the expiation of the, the sinfulness of the people. But when Jesus was sacrificed, all of those 
offerings came to an end. No further offering was needed once the lamb that God provided was sacrificed for the sins of the world. And the sacraments that he institutes are our participation in that one sacrifice. What happens here at Mass is the same sacrifice of Jesus on the cross on Mount Calvary, which took place in history 2,000 years ago, but is now, even now, in eternity, the self-offering of Jesus to his Father. We enter into that sacrifice at Mass. It's not repeated. It's made present. It's not repeated. It's made present. And what happens there in that sacrifice is that the context of this liturgy, we make an offering of ourselves to unite to that sacrifice. I spoke about this on Friday with the eighth grade students. Every month I get together with them. We have a kind of an open Q&A where they get to write out questions in the box, put them in the, the box, and I take questions out and sort of talk about anything, anything really that they want to ask or to hear about. And that's always an interesting discussion. I always enjoy that. We had Mass beforehand, and the readings really helped us focus on this idea of what it means to, to serve God in, in all that we do. And I drew their attention to the fact that they're students at this point in their life, and that's their, that's their calling. They, they have a job to do, and that job is to learn. Their job is to grow. Their job is to be formed in knowledge and wisdom and virtue. And as they go about that work, right, they can do it sloppily, or they can do it as an offering to God to present to him something truly good as an offering. And to offer something that is without blemish that's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? And as a student, that means not turning in shoddy work, sticking with a problem when it doesn't immediately come, the solution doesn't immediately come to us, or rewriting that sentence or paragraph over and over again to get it right. Ah, that's not right. I'm going to try it again, and sticking to it until it's, until it's done. But this is something like what the sacrifice and offering that God asks of us is for a student. And that there's no accidental similarity between their desks and an altar. And what they do is a priestly work. When they're pursuing God's vocation for their lives and carrying out that offering, offering to God, not, not just to a teacher for the sake of a grade, but to God, they're doing a priestly work. Now that's true of students, but it's also true of all of you. All of us have those things that we have to do to carry out. We have to persevere in those responsibilities. We grow weary. They seem pointless, but we do them anyway because it's required of us. And we do them as best we can. We are the reliable people who can be depended on to do a job well. And that in the same way that a desk is something like an altar, so too is our workbench or the dashboard of the vehicle we drive for work or the countertop which we prepare the meals for our families 
or even the bed on which I lie because I'm too sick to get up and do the work that I, I would like to do. But those are all altars on which we make an offering. And what happens here at Mass is that those things that are done throughout the course of the week are symbolically presented in the offertory. That when we bring up the bread and the wine, the work of human, fruit of the earth and work of human hands, all of those offerings that we make throughout our week are symbolically presented as an offering. Same with the financial gifts that we make. Money represents the work that we do, by which we earn our bread, but then is offered to God. And those things are presented here and they're offered to him, but what guarantee is there that God finds them pleasing? Of course, we know, we know of people who, say in their, in their studies, are anxious about the quality of their work. They're very conscious of its imperfection and in fear don't want to present something bad or flawed. And that's not the reason why we do the best that we can to offer the best to God. Not out of fear, but out of love. As a response to the abundance that we've already been given. We don't want to send an inadvertent message that what we have received from God isn't really worth much. And so we seek out the spotless, unblemished lamb, so to speak, the best of what we have, the best of our flock, not what we have left over, not the things that we don't have a use for already, but the very best. And those are what we present to him. Those are our offerings in gratitude and in love. And those things in the mass, those offerings are actually united to an offering that is perfect. All of our imperfect, sloppy, you know, str struggles to do the best that we can, but falling short, are gathered up by the Son, the one high priest who has no flaw whatsoever in his offering. And those, those offerings that we give him are transformed by him into something perfect because they are united to his perfection. And those are offered to God and they are received, they are accepted. And then they're given back to us in the form of spiritual nourishment, which we take as strength for the week to come, to improve and to persevere in the duties and the responsibilities and the work that we must do and offer them more perfectly. And in this way, the Mass isn't just one more job that I have to do, one more item on my list that I check off, but it's the whole point of everything that I do. That what I do in the life that I lead is pleasing to God. And it's received by Him. It's not a small thing that I do to hedge my bets, as it were, to make sure that, you know, God is still there and listening to me, and I'll give Him His time. No, it's the point, it's the heart of all that we do. 
Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb because they have been, they have been given the assurance that what they give to him is accepted. And as we live this out, as we, as we strive in our daily lives and the service that we render to one another and the jobs that we do, often in hidden ways, things that people never notice or acknowledge, we are transformed. And we live out a vocation to holiness that is called the lay vocation. I'm, a, I'm not a lay person. I'm a cleric. There's fewer of us because we have a very specific role to carry out within the body of Christ. But there are many of you because your role is to go out and carry this light into the world so as to sanctify it. Your priestly work is to sanctify the world and bring order to it through your work, through your discipline, through your perseverance, and through offering it to God. This is what it means to be holy, to live our lives in that conscious pursuit. This is the great dignity of the vocation of a layperson. This is the great dignity of the baptized. It is a priestly dignity. It is, a, in a sense, a priestly vocation. It's not enough, says the Lord. It's not enough for you to be my servant, he says through the prophet Isaiah. It's too little for you to simply be a faithful people. I want to make you a light to the nations. I want you to reflect the beauty and the splendor of what it means to be a child of Israel, as it were, to be one of my adopted sons or daughters, and for others to see in you the beauty of that life. That's what it means to be a light to the nations, to draw them into fidelity, to draw them through conversion and ultimately through their baptism and their discipleship into the worship of the one true God, that they would be called to the, to the supper of the Lamb as well. Apart from that, apart from being able to, to know that the work that I'm doing, the life that I'm living, the place that I occupy in the world is actually something pleasing to God, can you imagine not having that assurance? No wonder there's such darkness and despair and frustration and confusion and, and death in the world that we live in. We have, a, we have a role to play in drawing others into the freedom and the beauty and the joy of a life in which our offering is received by God and united to something perfect and thereby made perfect. The mystery of this vocation, behold the Lamb of God, can be said of you. Behold the one who is offering for all a perfect sacrifice, united and offered to the Father. They see in us what their hearts long for and find through us their path to the Father. May it be true of us today as we prepare and offer and receive what we need for the week to come, that our priestly work would be received by the Father and become a light to the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.